A to Z Talks, Episode 8, Intro to Investing 1C, The Stock Market. Howdy, Tobias. How you doing over there? Hey, my man. I am super busy watching the GameStop price again. It's super interesting right now. Oh, man, we're jumping right in, huh? It's the stock market. It's, it's, it's a topic for today. Uh, if you guys have been following along with us, I think the GameStop comes from our, I think, episode two around money. And so uh, we, we both um, were, we had a hard time figuring out how we were going to approach this particular episode. Uh, we're not going to pretend that we're experts here. Uh, so we're going to quickly start off by saying that we're, there's no experts on this podcast. Um, there's no financial advisors. We're not stock planners in any sense. So, um, but we are going to have a lot of fun with this topic. It, it is something that we, we almost scratched. We almost changed it. So we combined it with things, but you know, in, in true fashion of, of what we're trying to accomplish here, um, we dug down, we try to learn a little bit more about it what we could this week and then um you know try to give you guys uh, what we can uh, but uh, tobias at the GameStop, i mean that's one that we can quickly maybe circle right back into right for those who know there's some activity i think right before the super bowl so uh, catch us up where, where are we at what are we doing how's it going with that yeah i think we talked about it about a month and a half ago um that was right when it was around the all-time high at around what four hundred dollars maybe uh, a little bit more even and um Right after we did our podcast, we had this major um, uh, stock market manipulation that that happened, uh, where Robinhood was basically disabling the buy button on on its exchange, uh, and I think a lot of other exchanges also did so, so that the price crashed. And um, we talked about this this whole GameStop thing being. Um, it's sort of a it's sort of a war between uh, retail investors and uh, hedge funds, and retail investors are still trying to squeeze out the the short selling that is happening through hedge funds. Um, if you need details about what short selling is, uh, I recommend listening to the episode that we did. I think it was number one um, talking about money. Um, I don't remember to be exact, but. Check out our previous episodes. <laughs> Check out our previous episodes. Just make sure you listen to all of them. That, that should work. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so what happened was that the price crashed from, uh, and I, sorry, I only know the prices in euros. Um, it crashed from about 400 euros uh, all the way down to 35 euros. So um, it, it was like 95% down. And uh, everyone thought it was over, but then last week it started going up again. So right now we are at 230 again, which is uh, almost as high as it was uh, a day before it crashed. And that just means the squeeze is not over. It, it hasn't happened yet. And um, there's a so-called gamma squeeze as well, which is pretty much the opposite. It's um, call options that expire. And um, the market makers have to buy the stocks that are part of call options. It's pretty complicated, uh, and I don't think we should go into this in, in more detail, but it's really interesting to watch GameStop. And uh, I'm saying GameStop again. See, it's a, it's a meme. Uh, it, it's great. It's fun. Uh, but please 
don't spend any money on it. You will lose. <laughs> Whatever you do, you will lose money. <laughs> I think that's that's a great way to start this off because I think that um, you can tell maybe uh, from our own mindsets, right? We might be a little bit more pessimistic than others. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I, I think there's there's a ton of wins, and and I've even spoken about you know some some major victories on things that I've done. But I think today, um, with with everything that's going on, we really want to actually give you the other end of the perspective uh, because there's a bunch of people out there that'll tell you how everything's great and how everything's going up and how to put your money in everywhere. Right. But I think we want to make sure that you're aware of the other side, which is some of the failures, some of the challenges, uh, some of the things not to do. So that's where we're going to go. I um, mean, you know, I think that the, the GameStop is a great example. It was kind of the beginning of something that we we're starting to see even a lot more. Right. Like, I, I think as um, people are evolving, as, as we've had more time during the pandemic, um, a, a big part of what I've continued to hear and echo back is like it's almost like this new era of renaissance of, of type of new traders. Right. That, that have come into this market and um, some just don't like the traditional rules and things like this GameStop is one example. Um, but because of the this you know major following of social media and just ways to be able to um, form together as a group, they're making a huge impact on things that you know you, you would never have been able to see. And so we talk about a little bit of that, right? Like I think a very common trend right now is to do what others are doing. And so I'll quickly try to elaborate on why that's sometimes dangerous, right? So you can follow the GameStop, but if you were to jump in, let's say when you're at the 400 euros, like man, and, and you sold at the wrong time, these things are scary, right? Like so the, there's all these smart people that are online. There's all these new tools. Um, and they are making a major impact on, on, on how we're trading today. But it's also important because um, it's funny, uh, you know, we are now what right into March of 2021. And had you asked me maybe a month ago, uh, when everything was on the up and up, I mean, we're still at all time highs. But there is a point where I think I had a few friends, four or five friends are like, oh, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to trade full time, you know, everything I bet on is going to go up and up and up. And I, hey, I was right there with you, right? Like I told that story about how I went jogging, I made a few thousand dollars. And um, it, it was it was great to see, but I think what happens, you know, quickly, and we're still figuring out if this is a correction. But once things go down and you start to see the beginning of potentially of a correction or a bull market, it's really tough to make those consistent gains. And so if you don't know what you're doing, you can quickly get caught up and get swept into this, uh, you know, emotion of investing, and and really, you know, uh, things can happen that, that were not expected. So, I uh, Tobias, I know that you know there's some pessimism with what we think, but just the stocks in general. I mean, what was your you know initial exposure to it? What's what's your general outlook on on what you think about stocks? I was always interested in the stock market, but I never really fully understood it, and um, I think I still don't understand it. And it's it's interesting to watch, and uh, I'm I'm really amazed by how people can understand the market and can understand how all these numbers work. They they do stock analysis and they look at these um, these reports, these financial reports that come out uh, once a quarter and they, they try to analyze the entire company, which is a full-time job if, if you want to really understand what's going on. So um, I just don't have the time. And for me, it, it's a gamble. Uh, that's really all it is. Uh, sure, you can buy uh, parts of a company that you trust, that you know, but you never really know what's exactly going on unless you either do the work yourself, which is, like I said, a lot of work, or you trust others. And that brings you back to the problem that you just mentioned. Uh, 
never trust others do your own work (laughs) (laughs) maybe not never but there's some due diligence that you have to have right i think that that my my favorite saying that that comes to mind here on this one is like when someone with money meets someone with experience uh, the person with experience ends up with money and the person with money ends up with experience so uh, there's definitely ways to do this right you know and there's experts out there like like no one's business like i said um but i think it's just a reality of, of of where we are right there's a lot more time focused on things and we talked about real estate as a great adventure. We talked about cryptocurrency. You know, there's probably going to be a lot of similarities in cryptocurrency as far as like how to go about it, but just the end game and some of the fees that come, you know, it's a very exuberant. And so you can go in there and just buy something and hope that it goes up. That That's, you know, that's one approach and there's ways to learn. Um, but I mean, I've been so wrapped up in this Netflix series, uh, Queen's Gambit recently, right? And it's so much about strategy. And so that's where if I were to look at investments, right? It's not like checkers. It's not like, okay, I'm going to make one step, one step. It literally is. You have to anticipate what's coming you have to kind of understand the 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 environment that you're getting into uh there's so much that goes into what potentially could happen xyz like you said so it it is a full-time job i mean people do this all the time right and um it's so funny how you can quickly get in and then people also quickly get out right so i think that's one of the things that you forget that in doing so uh, those who have made money like i've never met a person who um hasn't lost money on their way to making money. But I know a lot of people that have never lost a lot of money because they never put themselves out there and made a risk. And that means they have no money, right? Like you just kind of have to put yourself out there. Um, it's tough sometimes, right? Because I think everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. So all these things that, you, you know, you continue to hear is just, it can be challenging, but but it's it's it can also be rewarding. It could be fun if you approach it the right way. And, and it can be um, very, you know, financially beneficial if you're doing this um, with the right mindset. So uh, there's, there's a lot that we can go into today, you know, for me, I think just thinking about stocks, right? There, there's so many ways that people get into it. Um, as far as like just general things, like what are, are ways that people select stocks, like stocks with long-term value, right? The right company. Um, if it's undervalued, because you think that they're going to do something big, um, stocks with dividends, right? That's a big one. Like for you, Tobias, you, you're you're a big fan of dividends, right? Like that that's a, a one that people just do on its own. So anything you want to elaborate on there? Well, dividends are actually the only thing that does make you money without having to sell the stock because uh, like you said there's long-term value stocks and you can purchase them and your book value can increase but unless you sell you never made any profits and uh, the dividends are a good way to to counter that Um, it it helps you still increase the value of your shares but you also get something back on a regular basis. Uh, European shares usually uh, return a yearly uh, dividend, but uh, I think there's Americans that even do monthly dividends. So having your monthly cash flow is is pretty interesting, but usually the dividend rates are somewhere between one and 4%. So you need a shit ton of money uh, if you want to have a good, um, monthly cash flow out of it. Yeah, and, and I think yeah, it, it sounds familiar, right? You, you you've talked about dividends and how they work at some point, and if a company grows, right, the percentage that you get uh, it continues to increase uh, from a value standpoint. So I think that, that's great. And, and there's so many other ways, right? People that are shorting a stock because they're expecting it to to fail. I think that's where the GameStop piece comes in. We can go on and on. There's call options, put options. Um, and then my least favorite one that, like I said, the one that we're really going to try to rip apart here and that you just don't do, which is just doing what everyone else does. Um, that is not a strategy and that is a quick way to fail. Um, I've got personal experience, I, you know, because I'm so into it. A lot of people have been coming to me and asking me some things and I love sharing, but when you don't get the full background, I quickly get the next phone call that says, you didn't tell me this, right? So we're going to try to avoid those things here. Um, and so I, you know, the, the agenda, we're going to keep pretty tight and, and maybe there's some things, like I said, we're, 
we're not traditional. We're not going to just name off stocks. That's not what we're here for. Um, but it's the idea of, of what and why uh, to get into investing or, or even why not. And so this first one is going to be uh, an easy one for uh, you to understand where our perspective is. But Tobias, uh, this is very clear in my notes here. It says why I don't like stock markets. So <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say here, but I would definitely want to hear. Give it to us. Yeah, in preparation of this episode, um, we were thinking, what what positive things do we have to say about the stock market? And I was like, well, my most of my experience was more negative. So um, I have a lot of reasons why I'd rather invest in real estate or um, private equity companies. So um, I wanted to list why I don't like the stock market. And there's four points that I came up with. And the first one is... There's a lot of uh, a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and also fear of missing out. So a FUD and FOMO, and um, yeah, the, those are two two highly highly known uh, terms, especially when you're around in uh, Reddit's uh, Wall Street bets. You hear that all the time. Um, this is really a, a big problem. There's a lot of emotion in in stock prices, so. Um, it, there could be any news event that could have a major impact on uh, on the stock price, which is a good time to buy, but it's also really um, making your investment more volatile. And uh, one of the big benefits of the stock market is that it's uh, quick liquidity. So you want to sell your, your stock, you can immediately do that, at least uh, during the week. Like You can't do it on weekends, but you usually have your money back within 24 hours. So that is a big uh, benefit. But if you have a high volatile market, then your money is currently maybe undervalued. And uh, you probably shouldn't sell it because you should wait until it has recovered. So that is why I don't really like this this whole flexibility in the market. Do you have anything uh, about this? It, you know, it, it's good and bad, right? Like when things are great, it's like, oh yeah, it's fantastic. But then when things are tough and 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 you don't know how and you want your money back, yeah, it it is uh, the volatility is something that can be very challenging, especially right now, right? We're seeing this historic swing. So yeah, completely on the same page with you there. Yeah, the second thing is that uh, you can't really control results. Um, so if you invest in the stock market, that means you're a partial owner of a company but you're not one of the known owners of the company. The The owners or the, the people that make the decisions don't even know who you are unless you own uh, more than 1% of the company. So you're one of a couple million investors out there. So all you can do is uh, lay back and hope that things go well. Uh, but you can't be creative. You can't um, make any decisions. Yes, you can vote with your voting rights if you buy uh, stocks that, that offer voting rights. But again, your percentage is so small that you don't really have any impact. That's why I prefer uh, having my own companies doing real estate. You can actively do something about the success of the company or about the success of the project or whatever you want to see. Yeah, it's it's hard sometimes to sit back and and you know even in in big players of big brands and, and really successful companies like you know they make mistakes or something happens and and you you wish that you could have been there because it's like oh I see that why why didn't they just do this right why didn't they just release earlier why didn't they fix that problem um, but it is that's that's the hard part about this right it takes the power of your hands and you do have to really uh, rely on on the leadership team so that's why yeah as you're buying stocks it's important to know you know the people the foundation the specs not just the news but yeah. I can see that for sure. All right. The third one is the stock market is really, really boring if you're doing it right. Uh, because 
if you want to not lose any money and actually make money, you just buy and hold. You buy something, you do your due diligence, you buy it at a great time, and you just wait it out until it's worth more. Um, the biggest problem about the stock market is that everyone thinks they're a day trader. So they can quick, uh, make a quick buck uh, by just buying, uh, buying low, selling high, and make a big profit within a couple of days, hours, or, or weeks. But that usually doesn't work. So trying to day trade uh, usually lets you lose money uh, unless you really know what you're doing. And uh, if you know what you're doing, then you're probably not listening to the po this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's that's, that's such a common thing. I think that's, you know, it goes back to the beginning story that I had so many folks. And, and they're, they're, to be fair, right, there are professional day traders and there's a lot of successful ones. We're not saying that you can't go do it, but I mean, the amount of time, amount of focus and, and, and anyone can get it right, right? Look once or twice or a few times. And I, even myself, I think I'm, I'm guilty of that where like I pick three or four. I'm like, oh my God, I think I know how to do this stuff. And then you quickly, uh, the market responds and they teach you lessons. And some of the lessons are really hard. And so it's important, right? Like, yes, dabble, understand. And if you hit one of these one or two, three big stocks, you know, enjoy it, save your, secure your profits, but just don't maybe rely on it that as your full time, unless um, you've got the background experience and the education that comes with it. Yeah. I think there's a quote that pretty much says the the fastest way to bankruptcy is trying to get rich quick <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one all right what's number four here um number four is that the stock market is not only uh, stocks it's also uh, derivatives and other things like options knockouts futures and um, a lot of things that that look like you can get rich quick but they're really complex products and there's a super high risk with it. So uh, for example, futures and options, um, they give you a super high leverage and technically they're really great and you could make a lot of money if you're doing it right or actually if you just have a lot of luck, um, but you should never really play those, yeah, and I'm saying play, play with those instruments uh, with real money until you fully understand it. Because it's it's not just like uh, if the price goes up, the price of this option will go up too. There's so many other variables with that. And if you really want to go into this, try it out first uh, in a demo account with with uh, with monopoly money, but not not with real money. It, that's a good point, right? There's a lot of test accounts. I think even your traditional Yahoo, each like you can do a test account. Uh, that's what I tell everyone who's first getting into it. You know, like imagine if you had a hundred dollars or or whatever e easy number that you can start with, and just kind of like get going and and make some positions and see how that turns out and understand you know reactions. But yeah, some of these really complex features um, you can easily get caught up in them and. You know, I, I think we're trying to be as transparent as we can today. So I'm going to speak to some of my failures, many, many of my failures that I have uh, times that I could speak to. But I was introduced to like warrants, for example, right? That That's a way that you can purchase a stock at a certain price point. Um, if you know it's pre-merger, like I can go and like, you can look this up, but um, a warrants was something I was introduced to. And I was like, oh, this is great. The company's doing well. I could buy a warrant. It's a lower cost, you know, stock and I can maybe cash in on it later. And I did that. And, um, you know, it was a great opportunity, but I think I want to say like four weeks later, I got a phone call from E-Trade, funny enough, like that was my broker. And they said, hey, you purchased this warrant. If you don't exercise this warrant, your account, it's going to be worth zero. It's going to be worth one cent tomorrow. And, you know, I had, it wasn't a lot, but it was still a significant amount where I was like, wait, what? How come? And, and they had to break it down. And so I was really fortunate that they gave me that phone call and saved me. And now, I mean, that was like a, a tough lesson that I was able to cash out and still re recuperate my money. But literally within 24 hours, it would have turned 
what was at that point, maybe like $2,000 into two cents. And it was because I didn't know what a warrant was. And so uh, it was a good, uh, I'm lucky that I was able to still walk away with my money. But these are things that, you know, people have learned. And it's very unfortunate with, with Robinhood, you know, we mentioned that being as popular as it is, a lot of folks have jumped on and, you know, they've tried to master it all within, you know, 30 days sometimes. And there's some really scary stories about what has happened to people that don't know what they're doing. And especially with some of these like options and leverage and, and features that really can put you in danger. So I think those are great things uh, and understandable, right, Tobias? I think uh, Tobias, <laughs> let me get that right, uh, of uh, where and why people may not like the stock market. And I think you share a, a similar uh, sentiment, right? People are typically uh, cautious and wary. And if you're not into the stock market, it can be like, oh, no, that's it's gambling. Um, so I think that's great. Um, anything you want to round out here and, and give us any, any yeah. other thoughts? Yeah, all of the things that I mentioned as to why I don't like the stock market are out of personal experience. Uh, it's not like I came up with this or, I'd re or I read about this. It's um, I made this experience and I'm telling you now, um, a lot of you will probably not listen to me and do it anyway. But you will remember me at some point <laughs> oh, man. And, and, and get back and like, ah, I should have just listened to the guy. Um, I have a similar story with uh, like your Warren story. Um, remember when uh, Nintendo released Pokemon Go a couple of years ago? Uh, I don't know if you followed the, the stock price of Nintendo at the time, but it skyrocketed. And I thought, all right, uh, let's get some stock options because that's how you can leverage this and you should get... A, I, I think I invested 5,000 euros and I was expecting a 5 million return. It was a no-brainer at the time. <laughs> you can always lose more money than you actually put in uh, with these stock options. Uh, so be careful. Um, for some reason, I wasn't able to buy one and I, I'm glad I couldn't. Um, but a couple of months later, Nintendo also released the uh, uh, Super Mario for iOS. And I thought this is the next big uh, Pokemon Go that will make Nintendo a lot more money because the just joining the the mobile gaming market, I think that's a huge win for Nintendo. And they always were outside of the market and they, they just uh, stuck to their own consoles. So this was a big thing for me. I was like, okay, now I should invest in Nintendo stock options and I'm gonna make a lot of money. And nothing happened and they just expired. <laughs> so it didn't crash, fortunately, because that would have uh, bankrupted me, um, which I just learned after the fact, right? I, I didn't know that, it could, uh, that you could lose more than you invest. Um, so at the time, the options expired, 5,000 euros gone. And uh, you can lose money so easily with, with these products. And that's why I'm saying, don't think you can get rich quick with these kind of things. Really do your research. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, well said and a lot of lessons out there. I, I hope someone out there, you know, maybe does do it right and comes back and says, I told you so. I can't wait. And I would love that. And I would love the success stories because, like I said, there there's so many out there. And I know people that have made a ton, right? I've got some examples of folks that have done it. Um, I, I know a really good friend of mine who had no idea what he was doing before, maybe like a year ago, but, you know, got into a good group of friends and, and had uh, some luck with penny stocks and literally within two weeks, like took, you know, $2,000 up to $90,000. Like I have a screenshot saved on my phone from this person. And I was so excited. And yeah, he, he was telling me, he's like, this is how I did it. Now he, he was all, you know, I'm following these people. And then quickly, like I, I started telling everyone like, Hey, this is a really good success story. And then the week later, you know, then this goes into one of my tips later, but it's like, people didn't follow up with me and ask what happens. Right. He went from 2000 to 90,000. And then the following week, he lost 45,000. 
right? So that, there, there's definitely adages that come with it. And if you only hear part of the story, someone put a hundred dollars down and it blew up like, yeah, that sounds great. But how often does that really happen? And, and great for you if that is the case, but yeah, definitely yeah, do your research, get out there, um, understand what's available to you. So I, I do want to spend you know a few minutes on, on the good tips that we do know, uh, the ones that are, are, are sound enough for us to say, like, these are things that you should definitely consider if they're open to you, right? For me, um, less is more. And so uh, if I think of stocks and how that's worked, a lot of the times that you know, your employer will be a very good um, resource for that. Like if you believe in the company that you're working with, if it's a public company, you know, definitely there's opportunities there. Um, maybe there's an ESPP program for you to take advantage of where they give employees a discount. Uh, if it's a private company, sometimes there's opportunities for you to still buy in right at certain type of um, stages of the company. And so really what, what it comes down to is that there's a certain amount of money out there that, you know, it's almost like free money um, that you can get uh, where a company will match you, right? Like 401k in the US, they'll potentially match you. Um, so there, you want to go those approaches because one, there's, there's free money there to, um, you know, they're kind of longer term. And so they're put into an account that really isn't touched. Now you, you can have some control over how that works, right? I think that's the one story that I know from a 401k standpoint, and I'm sorry for those that are outside the U S but those in the U S like if you have a 401k, you know, everyone has some level of it. And, and even just understanding where your uh, 401k is, um, uh, approaching as far as strategy, right. There's an aggressive way to do it where you're, you have a little bit higher risk and you have, um, but potentially a more aggressive revenues that come in. And then there's those that want to have just much more, uh, uh, what's a diversified portfolio. And so you can have a much more sustainable kind of rate. And, you know, it, it really depends on where you are in your life. But like a small thing is I, I got a friend who sent me another screenshot um, of his 401k and what he did last year. Right. And the return on his was like 44%, like literally that his portfolio returned 44%. I went to go check on mine that day after he sent it to me. And I'm like, wait, mine return was 13%, right? It's a really good return. But I, I quickly had to find out like, what the heck was the difference? Like, how did this guy make 44% return? And what did I, you know, how did I get 13? And I, I called, you know, principal, which is our, I think our provider. And just kind of understand the question is like, well, you know, you're really well diversified, your, your, your risk level is low to moderate. And so you don't have as an aggressive of a portfolio. And so like, I, I named some of the stocks that were in the other portfolio that I had gotten like Microsoft, Amazon, Google, like, how do I get those in my 401k? Oh, well, there's an actual fund for that, right? And so you just need to change your fund to, to allocate it towards that. And then all of a sudden, you're now investing in Google, Amazon, Facebook, uh, all the big companies that you'd want to, but indirectly through a much safer method that's um, tax you know, free in, or in, in some way. So just different ways to approach it. Look for that. Um, be smart about it. Take advantage of those there for sure. Um, and if you're not doing it through the long-term retirement, like even in somewhat midterm, right, ETFs is one that um, you you can definitely, uh, instead of picking one particular stock, I didn't surprise you, you've got a good amount on the ETS, right? Like, is there something there that you can give us that, that um, why it's interesting to you? Um, yes, I think the the thing that makes this interesting for me is um, at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned you have to do your research uh, if you want to buy stocks. If you buy into mutual funds or ETFs, then someone else is doing that for you. Uh, a mutual fund is usually managed by people that... Uh, yeah, that that have their day job being uh, uh, doing um, uh, due diligence on, uh, on on stocks and and just uh, understanding how to weigh different uh, stocks into one fund. Uh, but ETFs are even better. ETFs are just a automated uh, fund that 
automatically allocate based on an index, for example. You could get a NASDAQ ETF, you could get a S&P 500 ETF or whatever else. There's even an, a so-called MSCI World, uh, which is a good example that uh, people talking about uh, starting with investments usually reference to. MSCI World is an ETF that is just looking at the largest companies worldwide. And uh, it's, it's very well diverse across the entire globe. And um, it basically invests into the world economy. And the world economy is always doing well somehow based on uh, based on the weighting that it's using. So if if there's a crisis in one part of the world, there would be less options or less stocks of, of that part and more of um, a part of the world where the market is uh, flowering right now. So that's why I like ETFs. You don't have to do the work, <laughs> right? And you just kind of rely on on the system and 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 the smarter folks that have kind of put these together. And I think that's, I think if you haven't done it, and if you think about like if you're brand new to stocks, if you think like, oh, you know, which one of these stocks am I gonna pick? And and there's so many, but if you can just buy the top 500 stocks, like that's literally a thing, right? The S and P. 500 you can go and invest in that index particular and then all of a sudden you own a piece of the top 500 stocks and so you know over the course of uh, many many years like you may be great at picking one over one year and, and one the next year but over the course of 10 years right like i think that i would bet on uh the bulk of those 500 stocks over you as an individual you know and, and minus a few exceptions and a few things there but i think that's really important yeah, the thing here though uh, there's just one thing and that's it's really, really boring to do that. So if, if you're into action, don't don't invest into ETFs or mutual funds. If you want to make continuous money and stable money over time, then that's a good idea. But you're not getting rich quick with that. And it won't be fun to look at your portfolio every day. This is true. And and I, I will, we're going to go into the other version, but even those who are making a good amount of money on a stock on a short term, I would say, try your best to shave some of your profits and put that into an ETF, right? So that you have a short term and a long-term play. But for those crazy and wild, and I want to live on the edge of my seat uh, type of folks out there that do want to get into the market, you know, we, we've got some things for you, more about what not to do. Again, not because we, we are able to speak to it, um, but like it, there, there's dividend stocks that we had mentioned earlier on, right? Like the, there's ways to make money uh, with a little bit less risk. I, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm tempted to go down that path of naming stocks, but I don't think we're going to go there. Um, what we would say, I mean, uh, Tobias, Tobias, you've uh, mentioned this in the past, right? Dollar cost average, getting yourself into investment that way. I think that's an important way if you're going to do this, uh, you know, enter in, dabble in, understand what you're doing, uh, put in what you can afford to lose there. I think that's that's going to be really important. Um, and I think that's just something that, you know, for every investment, uh, for this one in particular, it, it can be so volatile. It can be a gamble if you don't know what you're doing. So just kind of slowly getting into it. And then, um, you know, similar to what we had talked about with cryptocurrency, uh, there's a ton of platforms out there. Um, I, I, I think, you know, for me, myself, E-Trade, Robinhood, TD America, each one has different benefits. Some of them are better with employee stock management. Some are giving you options for warrants and, op and, and you know, Robinhood is really quick. So those are for me. Um, to be honest, is there some for you or, or things that are in particular platforms that stand out that you would, you know, recommend to folks that are looking for something? I don't know about any international platforms, but for the German market, I can uh, recommend Comdirect or Comdirect. Uh, which is um, a free platform. It's it's a serious platform. Um, and uh, during this whole GameStop uh, crisis, um, they did not remove the buy button. So uh, that that is a good thing. <laughs> I think there's also Trade Republic if you want to trade on your phone. 
um, and it's also uh, um, commission free, so you can trade for free. Uh, but I think they did remove the buy button. So if you want to ever be part of a movement against big hedge funds, uh, <laughs> try the other one. Yeah, I, you know, it's uh, that that is such a big deal, and that that can be very controversial. And how we go about uh, what that means again, go back to episode two if you if you want to know more. But the buy button like in Robinhood, which is probably one of the most commonly used apps these days in the U.S. specifically, they made it so easy, right? They did remove the buy button. So uh, if you want to be part of the movement, they're not the right one. But uh, for those who are getting started, I think the beauty of what they've done. So there's a the a beauty and a curse, right? Like it's made it so easy. You can literally jump on. You can get all your stock tips. You can get money in there. You can buy you know one stock you can even buy a portion of a stock and there's no trading fees like traditionally when i did this even like e-trade like 10 15 years ago it was like 20 dollars a trade minimum right and so there's there's fees that came with it but today in Robinhood, you could literally it, it, and that's why they really gamified it you can make a trade you can make a transaction you could buy a portion of a stock uh, you can look into it you, there, there's even cryptocurrency on there so um, it, it can quickly become dangerous if you don't know what you're doing, but it's definitely uh, good to dabble in and, and look into it and try to understand, you know, what are the different features, what are the different options and different ways that you can do that. So um, those are just some quick things. Uh, I, I don't know if there's any other good tips that you have before we go into uh, our biggest failures and mistakes. Uh, no, I think, I think okay. I already played all of my cards. Cool. All right. Well, no, I think that, you know, we talked about not having too many good tips. So, so let's get into the fun <laughs> stuff here. This is uh, right into what not to do, right? This is probably the meat of where we spend our time focusing as we did research, as we talked to friends, as we looked into our own experiences. Um, I'm going to go through just the five mistakes that, uh, you know, uh, what not to do here. And, and, you know, some of these are very straightforward and easy to understand, but some of them, it's just a reminder. And, and maybe, you know, in a different scenario, it makes more sense, but you didn't think about it coming into the stock market. So um, without uh, any further ado, number one, uh, the wrong exit plan. Um, I think this one is really important, right? So people get in, they hear about a great opportunity and they're just like, okay, I'm going to get in, right? Without even if someone, it's your aunt, your, your, your friend, someone says, hey, I got a great stock tip. You know, this is the new, the new Tesla, the new Amazon, uh, the, the whatever you want to call it. And then people jump in and they sometimes they forget about it or they think, oh, if I just buy in, that's, it, that's where it is, right? So to, for me, the, the, the biggest thing to remember is the profit doesn't come at selling. It's actually at the buying. And so you do have to know where to get in. But uh, without having the exit plan, I mean, that could go terribly wrong. So to be this, um, anything you want to elaborate on, on that? And, and I, we can talk about a little bit about stop losses and how that even works. Um, yeah, I did want to talk about stop losses directly. So let me let me jump right into that. So stop losses, um, for those who don't know, uh, you can set a, a so-called stop loss by telling the broker that if the price reaches a certain level, um, so for example, uh, the stock is at $300 right now, and you say, if it goes down all the way to 250 I want to make a sell order. The difference to a regular sell order is that you right now, if you would place a regular sell order at 250, you would immediately sell because the price is above that uh, level, right? So this is like a safety net. If, if you want to say, I, I will sell if this price goes below a certain threshold. Um, and then there's um, an evolution to that. It's called a trailing stop loss. Uh, which can um, it, it can move up with the price. So you can say, I want my uh, my stop loss to be either a relative amount, like 10% of the current price or $10 away from the current price, depending on your strategy. Uh, and then the stop loss just moves up. So for example, you have 
uh, the price is at $300 right now, you have your stop loss at 250, that means there's a $50 difference. And, and now if the price goes up to um, 350, um, and you have a $50 difference in your stop loss in your trailing stop loss, then your stop loss moves up with the price to $300, because now it's $50 from 30 uh, from 300 to 350. And now if it goes down to 300 again, you will sell. That means over time, your safety net just moves with you. And uh, in theory, that sounds like a great idea. And um, that's what I've been doing as well. Uh, I didn't do it on the stock market yet, but I did that in the crypto market. And uh, for those of you that have followed the, uh, the crypto prices last year, that was not a great idea. <laughs> um, I had a 20% uh, trailing stop loss for my Ethereum and my Bitcoin. And um, one night it crashed 25%. And then just it immediately jumped back up. So I just lost all of my holdings overnight. And after that, the price exploded. And the problem with that was that uh, here in Germany, if you hold crypto for more than a year, you don't have to pay any taxes on your gains. So I lost the tax benefit as well. Um, so my my lesson out of this was don't ever use a stop loss again. I, I, I like to call it, I, I now like to call it a stop win because you right? You, you, you stop yourself from, from making a profit. Wow, uh, man, that, that, that's very hard. And I, I think that's, I, I feel for you because there's times where I've gotten there. It's so funny, right? Because we, we were very raw in how we approach this. And so I, I will give you the other edge, uh, the other side of the coin is what I would say, right? Because stop losses, uh, if you're going through that scenario, they, they definitely can burn you. But for someone who's brand new is what I would say, right? There, there's something about understanding how they really work. And especially if you're just getting going, like you said, it's a safety net. And so if you put $100 in and at the most you want to lose on one particular project is $20, you can set that. And if it gets to 80, hey, you know, that that was what you were willing and okay to lose on that particular one. And so for the new ones, uh, it, it's important to do that with every order, right? And the, the challenge part is when you get complicated and you get some of these stocks that are very sophisticated that act like cryptocurrencies and their volatility. Um, you get these almost like stop loss traps, stop loss bombs, whatever they're called. Um, a lot of times, you know, with a lot of the speculation that that happens, unfortunately, a lot, right? You, you, you buy into something and um, it you, you put in a 20% drop because that's your very common uh, process. And then all of a sudden it drops overnight after hours and, and then it, it goes right back up. And so it catches all those people who set a stop loss, unfortunately. So, I mean, this is why you have to be actively trading, right? Like you have to be aware. You think I bought an order, I set a stop loss, I'm good to go. These things happen. Happen. And you can literally miss out on money because you were trying to do something well, but you weren't paying attention. So that's a great one. Uh, what not to do. There's, there's different ways to approach it, right? Just in general, be familiar if you're going to go down that path. Um, so cool. And then we'll go to number two. Uh, this one, I think, it, I think I know exactly what you're going to say on this one, Tobias, but uh, trading with money that you can't lose, right? And I think that's something that uh, with everything that we're talking about, uh, go back to episode number two, put yourself together a secure uh, safety net, a secure fund, whatever you want to call it, make sure that when you are investing that you do have the ability to, uh, if you needed to walk away, right? Like if it was a complete loss, that has to be okay. It's not what you want. It's not what you're planning for, but uh, it's, important to realize that because these these volatility and the market and how it reacts like you never know you're expecting one thing and then all of a sudden it swings the other way right and i think the one thing that i would say about stocks and with any investment is that you don't actually lose money until you sell it 
right? If, if it's a down process. So, so being able to hold and, and not just give in when, and when things are looking bad is important. At the same time, you don't actually profit until you sell it. Um, but I think, again, it, it's what you can afford. But uh, Tobias, what's your two cents on this one? Uh, I didn't follow my own rule. Uh, this rule uh, for the crypto story I just told you. So I, I, I did invest money that I, or I was already counting on that money. So that's why I had the stop loss set in the first place. Because I think if you buy a stock, you should always um, double check is the reason why I, why I bought this stock in the first place or why I bought this crypto in the first place, doesn't matter. Does that still apply? Is that still the case? And even if the price is down from from your expectation, or if you're in a loss, as long as you don't sell, you didn't really make a loss. If that's still the case, then just hold on to it. Just just hold and wait until the market understands the real value of whatever you bought. And that's why it's so important to trade with money you can afford to lose or that you don't immediately need because you you get into this point that I mentioned at the very beginning about uh, fear of missing out or or um, fear, uncertainty and doubt where the price is volatile. Uh, the price will at some point where you might need the money not be where you need it to be. So make sure that money is locked away and um, you can just wait it out until it gets back to where it should be. Yeah, I think that's that, that, that's what I was expecting for you to say, buy and hold, right? I think that there's some um, statistics out there. I think it's like, if you were to try to, uh, you know, the particular stock by the, um, if it's growing throughout the year, let's just say if you missed the eight uh, most highest volume days, right? That's very common, 365 days or whatever it is, weekdays, and you happen to miss the, one of the eight big trading days or you sell and you just miss out. I mean, all of a sudden you take a, a stock that could be very profitable, but if you missed out on one of those key two, three, four days, it becomes uh, a negative return, right? Literally because you jumped out at the wrong time and you know, you're trying to anticipate or play the market. And so that's why these long-term bets are, are a lot wiser, longer term. Now there's charts and there's trends and there's so many ways. And I, and I know that I've got a lot of great smart friends that, that look at, oh, you know, this is what the market indicator is. And, and you know, those are all accurate for some point. But in the long run, the, the idea is that um, you want to have money that you can leave out there if necessary, because uh, you, you don't want to be reacting with your emotions uh, when you're when you're doing this. So I think that that's a great one for number two. Uh, number three, this is kind of almost a preview into what's to come next one, uh, as well as, geez, going back a little bit when it comes, but just taxes and fees with investments. I think that's just so important to know what's going to come, right? Like people sell something and they think, oh, I've got the money. I'm going to go and now purchase something else. And, and you know, even if you lose something, you you think, oh, okay, well, I, 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 the money is there. The thing that you're not taking into account is every transaction, there's potentially tax implications. Um, it could be that you're buying something and, uh, you know, you're selling it and you don't think about, oh, I just made, you know, $100, but actually it's like 30% discounted with the tax. So you actually made $70. And if you lost money, you're still going to get taxed on it. So you know, again, we're going to go deep into this one, um, but just fees, taxes, being aware of it, even mutual funds. I think that's one where I can hammer a little bit. Um, if you are using mutual funds, great. You know, there's there's some that are out there that I know are fantastic, but on average, there's just so much more fees that come with mutual funds. And so if you take that and, and compare it to what you get out of directly investing into index funds, um, you know, the, the, the fees are reduced from, I think, between three, two to 3% on a mutual fund to 0.05% on a, a potential index fund. So just knowing those things, uh, going back and understanding compounding interest and, and all that applies here. But um, again, not going to go too far into it, but uh, Tobias, any, any uh, quick notes on this particular topic? Um, I've been just looking at the same thing and uh, a lot of 
the time is specifically when it comes to highly volatile things like uh, GameStop. If if you want to have a strategy like, okay, I, I want to invest some money and once it doubled, I want to get half of it out. Um, make sure taxes are uh, considered because it it doesn't have to double for that. It has to double plus taxes. And that's, I think, 133% or something like that, depending on your tax rate. So make sure you, you take that in mind. Yeah, I think that's, uh, again, we're, we're going to have more on that on the next episode. Um, so we will quickly go into the next one. And, and this one is actually one that we, we, we could probably elaborate on forever. But uh, this is one that's very close to me. And if you've gotten any advice from me, and I think any any time you hear from anyone, I think the, the, num the number four mistake that we have here is following others without knowing the strategy. Um, so I think that's, you know, I, it's hard because I tell you all, and we continue to preach that it's important to, you know, reach out to others, learn from others, understand what people are doing, understand, you know, where their strategy is, their mindset is. And so, yeah, it's important to know what others are doing and, and get a glimpse of, of if, especially if someone's successful, right? If someone's successful in the market or investing or in anything for that matter, you want to spend some time and understand them, but, but taking one tip on the surface, um, and thinking that that's going to actually do you well, it can actually do you harm. Right. And so there, there's so many popular things out there today that are influencing what happens. The Reddit example you mentioned is a huge one, right? That people just following what happens on Reddit. Um, there's a lot of other names out there, like on the Kramer news for us, it's us television, Kathy Woods, you know, a huge hedge fund, um, investor and, and Warren Buffett even, right? Like even when he makes certain swings, like they definitely have an impact because of the volume that they're trading and the amount of people that they're influencing. And especially, like I said, in this whole new like era of Renaissance traders that um, the, the mass volume can make a big difference. And that's what's leading to a lot of this volatility, right? This is just kind of almost like a, a un, uh, unprecedented type of um, uh I don't even know what to call it, but it just, it, it didn't take place before when social media wasn't as big, when the world wasn't all connected, uh, it wasn't so easy to influence or manipulate a, a price, but that is not the case right today that we're seeing that all the time. And it's unfortunate because you, you, you find out things like the price right now that you see of a given stock, it already reflects the news that you hear, right? So, so a lot of these smarter people have gotten to that information before you did. And when you see something like, oh, you know, that COVID does. Uh, Farmer, they're releasing their new um, their solutions, or the you know the apple the new apples coming out. Like these are things that people in the market have already anticipated, and the price already reflects that. Uh, and so sometimes you get these people that are almost like pumping up the price. There's a term they say buy the rumor and sell the news, and that's really unfortunate, right? Because if you don't know what you're doing, it sounds great, uh, but you're going to get caught up again. The people with money versus the people experience example. That, that's exactly how this works if you're following the wrong people. Um, so I to be as I. Think you have a direct um, experience on this one. Do you have anything you want to add on that particular? Yeah, I'm I'm still following GameStop on a daily basis, so I'm reading Wall Street Bets a lot. And there's a lot of people that have posts there uh, that are tagged as due diligence, and it's just it's not due diligence. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, tagged as that, but um, it's just people making uh, weird assumptions that usually are wrong. So make sure that whatever source you're using. Is also credible, so uh, there's there's a lot of people that that are just trying to uh, manipulate the price in in the direction that benefits them. Yeah, yeah, and again, with so many people having so much more time, I think that's uh, it's evident. And you know, maybe there's something that's going to be done. Um, but I, I'll I'll speak to one that's kind of a personal example of, of of a spac, right? So, like I said, I've been really heavy into the market and early on success, but. It, it, lately, you see a lot more bloody days and then a lot more red. Um, but a, a SPAC is a, a special, man, you can look it up. It's 
SPAC, it's like an acquisition company. It's a different way for you to actually go um, public, right? For these smaller private companies, um, basically there's a bunch of investors that have put their money together and formed a SPAC. And they basically have like two years to go find another company where they can invest in. So, you know, from a SPAC, you can just uh, put your money together and try to help another company from a small company position. You can find a different untraditional way to get finance and go public. So you don't have to go through your traditional banks. And so there, there's that new play and everything, you know, there's so much hype and people think, oh, this is great SPACs. It's like the new word of the day. And you go on Robinhood and they talk about SPACs all day long. Uh, and then if you know me, you know, at, at this point, and I hope if you hear this ticker, you're not just going to immediately write it down and buy it, but like CCIV was a big one, right? Um, they're rumored to be tied to purchasing Lucid Motors. Um, there's so much information, but th for the purpose of this example, Lucid Motors was supposed to be like the competitor to Tesla, right? They still potentially could be. And, and that's where everyone was so uh, ramped up on the hype and it was on Kramer and you know, all, all these folks are talking about it. And it, it was so much speculation that the stock pro, uh, price, you know, I think was started off at like 10, 12, like others, but it went from $20 to like $60 at one point. And this was even before they had sold a car, before they even went live, literally off of speculation, right? Like overvalued, over pumped. And if you're a part of the ride, it's like, great. All these smart people knew exactly what's going on. They're like, oh, competitor to Tesla. That's like, you know, a couple thousand dollars in the stock. I'm all in and people are buying and, and getting in. And I'm right there with you, right? Like I, I've made my investment. But then all of a sudden, you, you have to understand, like, as SPACs approach um, going live, meaning when they, they team up. So when CCIB teamed up and actually announced a public merger with um, Lucid Motors, all of a sudden, the stock price just dropped. I mean, we're talking about like 60 to 50 to 40. And so I had a, a good amount of folks that had jumped in with me. And they're like, what's going on, Alex? Like, this is a, a really good, solid company. You know, this is a SPAC. This is the right play. And then you don't realize and understand, like, you know, if you work for a corporation or a company, like, when a merger happens, that's when a lot of spending takes place, right? Like that's when you all of a sudden uh, have to start spending and promoting and building factories and hiring people. And so while, yeah, the, the trajectory of this overall in the future is that they are going to recover and they're going to make money if you don't understand and you got out because you saw the dip because you were scared. Like there's just, there's just so many things that can go wrong if you don't understand the strategy. And I know what I just said was probably a mouthful, SPACs, CCI, all these different things, but just look into it. If you're, if you're interested in hearing more, give me a call. Uh, I'm sure if, if I've told you about it, I apologize, <laughs> but it's, it's a different type of ride. And, and again, it's when you get advice from someone and you don't understand the, the complete strategy, I mean, that can really hurt you, especially for those that maybe have sold and got out early. So um, that that's one that, you know, I personally, I know that it's, it's been a, a victory, but um, anything on your end on that to be, I, I, I'm sorry for recommending that to you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, I'm only, I think 30% in a loss. So um, this was my first SPAC, and um, maybe it's the last. Um, we always have to try out different things, right? Yeah, it, it's it's good learning lesson, uh, a lot to come. So I'm in for the long run, though, right? That, that That's the next thing. If The reason I bought this was because I believed in Lucid Motors, and even though I'm down 30% right now, I, I still think in two, three, four, five years, this is going to be one of my best stocks in my portfolio. So... Uh, don't ever sell on a loss. That doesn't make sense unless you really need the money. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point there. Okay, uh, and then number five, I think this one we've probably talked about in a few different ways, um, but this is, uh, especially with what's going on right now, we might be seeing a turn of the market, right? And I think the, the idea is, um, the, the lesson is do not plan a pretty picnic without taking into account the weather. Right. So you can do everything right. You can do all your homework. You can have all the best sources. You can look at the books. You can look at the trends and you're like, okay, this is for sure going to go up. 
but then the market decides that it's not going to respond to how you want it to be, right? There's this idea of a bear market versus a bull market. And as a bear market, it's, it's an overcorrection. It's a sustained overcorrection um, where you actually start to see the overall market drop by over 20%, right? On a pretty consistent basis. And so uh, those times people are very scared. That's where you, you typically are, are um, taking transactions based off of fear, which is not what you want to do. And so when these bear markets come, a lot of times people are selling and you hear, right? It's all over Wall Street. Everything's going down. It's crazy. It's scary. But guess what? The really smart, rich people are doing. They're sitting back and they're waiting everyone to sell this stuff on a discount and they're buying it up. They're eating it up, right? Because that's to, to the to the smart investor. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's not the best news for those that are in all the markets, but they know that when the bear market comes, that's the best time to actually profit. And, and, and those um, come, you know, very often. So often, once a year potentially, right, or once every few years, you'll see different versions of that. And the in in every sense of history that I can think of, whenever a bear market took place, it was always followed by a bull market run, right? Like there's always an up. How long it lasts, uh, when it comes and goes, it's harder to, to understand that. But that's just something to know. Like the, that, if you understand that, no matter what you do, if you're doing it, planning it right, the market can actually have a lot of influence on what's actually going to happen. Uh, any any experience or any uh, feedback on that topic there? I'm just thinking back on the 2008 crisis where I still was at school, but uh, I, I just heard it all over the news and I, I wasn't invested in the stock market at all, but I knew exactly if I had money, I would buy everything right now. And look how that turned out, would have turned out. Um, it, it's always like that. And COVID was another great example. Look at March uh, last year when everything was going down like 20 to 30 percent, but there was no real reason. And um, a lot of companies were uh, were not even affected by COVID, right? So the prices were just that's that's again fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and the prices were manipulated because of uh, COVID. So you could just buy in cheaply and get a nice forty, fifty percent uh, uptick over a couple of months. So it was nice. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you're right. It, that's that just happened for us, right? In 2020, if you look at a lot of those stocks, and I mean, open up a chart. We are now in March 2021. Go look at the yearly chart of your top favorite stocks and see how well it performed in the last year from this date, right? And that was the time when everyone was running scared. So it doesn't always happen, but when they they do come, you know, instead of uh, being all frantic and running around and selling it off, uh, try to think of, uh, you know, what, what are the investors doing? And this is where you really want to look at what, what is happening and uh, with some of the smarter people and what they're doing with their money. So um, I think that that would be number five, right? So just be aware of the different market conditions. Don't just think that because you have the, the silver or the bullet that it's going to work out the way that you intend it to be. So um, that was a lot, but I mean, that's where we really want to wrap it up. Um, like I said, you know, there's different ways we went up and down. There's some tips in here, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we don't have as much experience as we'd like, but we hopefully you shared with you what we know, um, especially a lot of the failures and the lessons that we learned along the way. Uh, and this, you know, is, is hopefully the beginning of your journey. We're not saying that it's wrong. We're just saying to be smart about it, right? Like it's, it, there's a way to approach this so that you can benefit. So, um, uh, to be as we, as we wrap this uh, episode up here is there one last thought quote comment that you want to leave us with yeah i have a quote from our good good uh investor probably the best investor in the world warren buffett um and he says risk comes from not knowing what you're doing and i think that's 
that pretty much sums it up. Oh man, that, that is this episode in a nutshell. <laughs> There's a lot of exactly. risk for you just listening to this episode, but hopefully you guys have made, that's great. And, and then for me, um, I pulled one that and a little bit, uh, you have to stretch, but this is from the Hamilton play. Um, but when you got skin in the game, you stay in the game. Uh, what you don't get a win unless you play in the game and you got love for it, you got hate for it, but you get nothing if you just wait for it. So uh, the moral of the story is get in, um, definitely, right? Just understanding when and how, but um, we'll leave you with that. And uh, I think that is what we've got for today. So sayonara and see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.